Blog Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind You want to get I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine The memories living In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know what you've done Good evening, good evening, good evening everyone and welcome to Stop Child Abuse Now. We are on scan number 3181. Thank you for joining us on NASCA. NASCA is the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. That's what it stands for. I'm your host tonight, Dr. Nancy V. Brown-Willis, and I'm with my wonderful co-host, Ms. Kim Lakin. Again, we're on scan number 3181. The lines are open. You can join our panel. And the phone number to call in is 646. 646- Five nine five two one one eight. Again, that number is six four six five nine five two one one eight. Let us start by reading our mission statement. We have a single purpose at NASCA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone, and two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention intervention and recovery. Now, luckily, we have a nice panel tonight. Um, you know, we're, we're going to have a few people share, so it is going to be an open panel. Uh, but we want to make sure that we address, again, the issue of childhood abuse. And when we talk about childhood abuse, it's, you know, we have to remember that abuse of any kind, it's not just physical, it's not just sexual, but it could also be emotional, okay? It could be verbal, and those types of abuse do leave scars behind. So, again, if you'd like to be a part of our panel and you'd like to share tonight, you can call 646-595-2118, and we're on scan number 3181. Excuse me. Um, I know we have uh, Ms. 
Tim on, and we also have Mr. Bob, uh, and we have uh, a couple of other people on. And, um, you know, we just want to be able to talk about child abuse, and we want to be able to talk about from upper. So I'm going to probably start by, and I'm going to um, go over to uh, Ms. Kim first. I'm just going to uh, ask you, uh, hi, Ms. Kim, how are you? Are you on? Let me make sure uh, that you are. Oh, okay, she's still in the back. Okay, I'm going to bring you to the front. Hold on one second. Okay. I was, Good um, evening. Good evening. Hello. Hi, good evening. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. This is Dr. Nancy. So glad to have you. I was just, um, you know, just talking a little bit about child abuse and talking about the importance of us coming together as a community and talking about it. You know, I know a lot of times it's taboo and it's an uncomfortable subject to address for many people. Some of us, because we've been through it, it can be uncomfortable. And then some because maybe you've had a loved one that went through it or you've never been through it and you don't even know how to even start talking about it. It's just an uncomfortable topic, especially when we're talking about child abuse, you know. Um, Any type of abuse is hard, but I think especially when we go into the area of child abuse, it can be especially um, harder for people to, to, to talk about or feel comfortable talking about. So um, I just wanted to, you know, tonight we have an open uh, panel, so everyone gets to share. But um, since I did call you and ask you to join us, I wanted to just kind of have you talk a little bit about um, about this topic. And so I wanted to just kind of interview you a little bit about your story and then um, open up the conversation about surviving um, child abuse and the impact that it leaves on adults. Adults, this show is really about adult survivors of abuse sharing their story. So if, you know, we just could start a little bit from the beginning um, and just if you can just share a little bit of your story from the beginning at what age, if you have experienced abuse, first of all, and if you did, like around what age um, you went through this abuse. And, again, I just want to, again, say to everyone on tonight, thank you for your support. Um, You know, May is um, Mental Health Awareness Month. Uh, We've lost a lot of people to suicide. A lot of people are dealing with depression. A lot of people are suffering in silence. Um, I hear a lot of noise in the background, just for everyone to be mindful. I hear a lot of noise in the background. But, um. You know, for us to be mindful why it's important to talk about this topic is really to help free others. And when we open our mouths, power in our testimony, and it helps other people know that they're not alone. Because I remember I felt alone for a very long time. I felt like, I mean, this is something I can't talk to anyone about. No one will understand me. So I just want to just say um, thank you to everyone who is on and for your bravery for the areas that you do share. And, again, everybody's abuse is different. Abuse doesn't have to be physical. It doesn't have to be sexual. It doesn't have to be uh, verbal. It doesn't have to be emotional. Abuse, abuse. 
And there are many forms of abuse, so don't feel that because your abuse is not the same as my abuse or her abuse or his abuse, that it's not abuse. Um, we just are sharing and creating a safe space for everyone to know that they're not alone. Um, so, again, I wanted to go back to Ms. Kim, and um, I wanted to just know, if, you know, if you have been through abuse, and if so, if you feel comfortable sharing what type of abuse and around what age you were when you experienced it and anything that you feel comfortable sharing, it, we would appreciate it tonight. Okay. Um, so you're just I, was go down the I was 14. Um, I had a friend that I used to be around, and I was raped by her brother told anybody because I never felt that anybody would believe me nor would they listen. So I've carried that through my whole life and I'm just I'm I just turned sixty in March and I wanna say maybe about a year ago, maybe two, I was able to just start talking about it at the age of fifty eight. As far as my mom she wasn't the person I could talk to. Um, family knew, but his mother didn't care to do anything about it. So I didn't let that stop me from raising my kids. It bothered me more now than it did then because I got more time on the hand now. But, like, now wow. it, it comes back at times. And I I try to stay busy. I get out in the yard in my flower bed or whatever. But um, I talk to my children, the one that have kids, and letting them know to keep an eye on their children, pay attention to if they start misbehaving or doing things out of the ordinary. So far they're listening, and I keep my eyes open as well because I'm hands-on with my grands. But um, you can't trust. You can't trust. I had an uncle. I think I was 18, but he was my aunt's husband, and he touched my breast. And after then, I just like every time I saw him or if I heard his name, it's like I froze, I tensed up. I dealt with all this, like, you know, raising my children. And it didn't affect them. I didn't let it affect them. They didn't know it. And there's certain ones I talk to it about it now. All of them don't know. And, um, you know, sometimes certain ones I want to talk to, and I feel like they may look at me different. So that's the reason why with some of them I hadn't opened up. But yes, I was 14. So first, we want to say we're so sorry that you went through that that horrible thing to go through. And thank you for your bravery, for sharing your story. I know you said you just started sharing your story recently. What made you start to share your story? What made you not keep it inside and just start to let this out, the secret out. How? Where did you get the truth from? 
my rapist reached back out to me. He inboxed me on Facebook. So I felt like I needed to let everybody, there were certain ones know. So if he approached me, I'm going to protect myself. So I had to go ahead and let that be known. But yes, it's been a year and he's come through my inbox on Facebook. <laughs> I'm curious to know why some of these people feel that comfortable doing that. Cause I actually had that same experience where mine had reached out to me on Facebook this year. And I was just mm-hmm. like, I mean, you know, where did, where did people get this courage from? You know, um, were you nice to this person afterwards? No. Were you ever no. give her No. Were you did you ever confront him on what he did? Like I'm trying to think He's where do they like, get this thought? I don't know mm-hmm. because you know, he even come in my inbox and said, I know you can't stand me because of what happened between us and I kept asking, him, Well, who was it? And then when he sent the picture in my inbox, I just froze. And then I went to a funeral last year, and this guy walked past me, and he spoke. We was at the cemetery. So it was a girl that I was with. She knew about it. And if she hadn't grabbed me, I would have went to jail that day because I bent down to pick up this vase for the grave, and I was going to hit him in his head. I have a lot of anger for this guy. I have a lot of anger for him. He took my childhood. So was this the one when you were 14, or was this the aunt's mm-hmm. husband? Which one was this one? This is the 14, when I was 14. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm sorry to hear that. So now the uncle, and the reason I'm going to ask you this question, you don't have to answer, is because if anybody's listening as a parent, as a caretaker, as a protector of a child, how did this uncle get access to you, which anybody in the family, and most, let's just make this statement clear, many times when children are abused is by somebody close to the family because they have access. So this is not, right. this is not, not not common. This is very, very common, and this happens, unfortunately. These people have, they're in the house, they have access. You're not paying attention. You're in the other room. They have access. How did this person first have access to you, if you don't mind telling us what happened? Um, he had, him and my aunt had come over. Uh, it was something he was working on at the house. I can't remember. But I was getting... I think the diaper bag out the car. And when I stood up from getting out the car, he was he was coming out the side door and when he walked past me, that's when he reached out and grabbed my breath and his wife was right there in the house. And I knew how my family was. If I'd have told them, I'd have been lying. So there's a lot of stuff that I tried to tell my mom years and years ago. So now we have this conversation, and it goes the same way it did when I used to try to talk to her. So now the thing she can do is get quiet. But I had no one to talk to that would really listen to me. 
that wouldn't judge me. That's tough. Mm-hmm. I was an only child, so I had no siblings to confide in. And I had two aunts, but one of them, well, both of them, they were so jealous of me, I couldn't talk to them. And when it came to certain friends, when it came to friends, after that happened, I trusted no one. So I kept it to myself, other than, like I say, his family knew. Because he told his sister, and his sister told their mom, but she didn't do anything about it. She didn't even, she wasn't even woman enough to go to my mom. So you found out, and this is the uncle we're talking about, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, I was talking about, I hadn't kind of switched it up. Yeah, I was talking about the friend, brother, and then, like I said, yeah, my uncle, I didn't say anything because I know they wouldn't believe me. And then, see, when that happened, when I was raped at the age of 14, I was on my way home. But I got home late. But when I got home, I was punished for coming in late but which it wasn't my fault. So I kept it to myself. I was already punished. And she looked at it that, no, you was out with this boy. So I just kept my mouth closed. Wow. So she didn't come up with her own theory on it. That's just the way she is, where she was then. So, yes, a lot of stuff I went through during my childhood. You know, she'll sit there, well, I know, I understand everything you go, done went through. If she knew now, it'd tear down. So I just keep it to myself. It's a lot of stuff I went through as a child she don't know about. Because if anything I told her, she didn't believe. So what you're saying, there's a lot of people who have been through that, and there's a lot of kids now going through that where, their parents won't believe them. That's that's a that's a hard, heavy load to carry as a child by yourself. To feel it that, is. I mean, that's a lot, right? <clears throat> to feel that you can't talk about that. Exactly. You're just assaulted. You're just hurt, abused, and you mm-hmm. have to carry that by yourself. Did you tell any of your friends? Did you have anyone close to you, a best friend, a cousin, anyone that you were able to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened? No. No. And then I had Sharon, Miss Sharon, as I say, Sharon was in my life back then, and we was Mm -hmm. real close, and we still close, but. I used to, I, I just couldn't tell her because I felt like she would turn away from me. And so <laughs> I just told her about two years ago. And so <laughs> she said she had a conversation with her mom. <laughs> her mother said if she knew because the neighborhood where they stayed in was a real nice neighborhood, she said if she knew, she'd have ran him out of president circle. But I didn't tell anybody. I'm just able to talk about it. That's I didn't a lot. find no friends, nothing. 
that's a tough one to carry as a child by yourself. I want to um, open up the panel. First, um, Ms. Kim, okay. I want to make sure that, uh, and not you, Ms. Kimberly, my uh, okay. co-host, Ms. Kim, I want to make sure that she comes in if she has a comment or a question. This would be a great time. Thank you, Dr. Pinky. Um, yes, hi, Kimberly, again. Hi. <laughs> I, um, I, too, am so sorry that you had to go through that. You know, we listen to these, um, to people's stories all the time on this show, and, um, and we can relate in some way, like Dr. Nancy was saying, we, you know, we're, we're all, um, survivors of, of something that happened right. within our childhood. And um, and I'm sorry, too, that your mom wasn't there for you. And, and I can really relate to that as well because my mom mm-hmm. was like that. And I wonder if they're just not able to think about, um, you know, be bothered with it. Even, I don't know. My mom was very young when she had me. She was 16 when she had me mm-hmm. and um, and then she basically told me when I was 15 and I told her that my, my stepdad had abused me that it just happens and so I wonder if they you know like my mom just didn't want to have to think about it and so mm-hmm. it was something maybe within at some point well it, it is it's a choice and we talk about that on this channel all the time <laughs> I'm sorry I'm kind of talking this up a little bit but we do we um <laughs> we do talk about that all the time. It's a choice, and a lot of us that are on you know that come on and want to better ourselves are making a choice for our future generations and mm-hmm. i um you know and I just admire you for that so you're you're awesome and a great role model and um, thank you for just coming on and telling your story i I'm honored to be on here with you, so thank you. Yes, the last part I don't think she heard, but um, Miss Kimberly, she said that she's honored to be on here with you. Uh Could you hear? Yes, she said she's honored to be here with you. (laughs) And and I'm looking forward to... And I'm sorry about that. I'm, and I'm looking forward to for when you start talking about how some of your children took this, because I know uh, Miss Kimberly, our guest, Miss Kim, will be able to relate to some of that part, uh, many parts of the story we both can relate to. But I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious to hear, you know, how some of the kids were able to be like, okay, and then some had a hard time taking this story and if this is normal it happens unfortunately and it's hard on us because we just want everybody to say hey we believe you we support you we stand with you you know we get a lot of that from strangers a lot of times when we don't get that from our loved ones at the time when we need it because they're processing it their own way and many times they don't do it because they don't love us or, or they're you know but they're just processing it in their own way and it's just not the way that we need in the process of recovery so I can't wait for you to get into that. But I want to check if um, if uh, Bob has any comments or any questions, yeah. anything he'd like to say. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yes, sir. For me, the key word that's come up so far is um, trust. And through my own process um, of um, healing the wounds of my childhood, um, how can I just... I would describe abuse... Um, a, a newborn child, there's this innate trust that its parents, its primary caregivers, are going to care for it and look after it. And it only takes one instant of any sort of abuse, and that trust is broken. So that's that's like the big wound. And for me, all the damage was done during the first seven years of my, my childhood, you know, um, and... Um, it was my mum who was a volcano. She just exploded, you know, randomly. And um, if I was within reach, I got hit, whether I was um, being good or being bad, which is a great way to set up crazy thinking, isn't it? And then, um, so the lesson I learned from mum was that mum's always beating me, therefore she does not love me, therefore I'm unlovable, and it's all my fault. And then the second lesson I learned was, and the world's a dangerous place, because I was always getting beaten. And then Dad, um, Dad was a mythical creature. He was doing, he was doing what Dad did then, um, bringing home the bacon. He was living his programming. You know, that's what Dads do. They bring home the bacon. So the message I got from Dad was, Dad, Dad never spends any time with me. Therefore, he does not love me. Therefore, I'm unlovable. And it's all my fault. And so um, I got to the stage where, this is about 92, um, I had my first panic attack in 84, so I'm still on antidepressants in 92. But I got to this stage um, in my own journey where, God, I hate you, Mum. You're always beating me. I hate you. But you've got to love your Mum. You've only got one Mum. And it was that dichotomy that was tearing my soul apart. And so um, I'm not sure where I got the idea from it. Probably was John Bradshaw, anyway, who's an awesome guy, although he's passed on now. Um, I wrote a letter to Mum saying, Hello, Mum. Um, I'm just telling, writing to tell you my story of how I felt growing up as a kid in our family. Please be aware, this is not about blame. I just want to tell you my story. Please tell me your story. So, um, you know, I got the notepad in front of me and got the pen out. And, um, uh, Mum, I hated it when you dangled me by the wrist and hit me with a frying pan. I hated it when you hit me with the, uh, the hoover. Um, and I hated it when you sh embarrassed me in front of my friends. And, and because I'd been going to and fro to my childhood, doing the... the childhood work um, you know I was pretty familiar with I just wrote everything every memory every instance every wound that I could recall wrote it down and what I thought was going to be one or two pages ended up by being as thick as war and peace but then I signed it signed it off mum this as a reminder this is not about blame I'm just telling you my story please tell me yours mm -hmm. and with trembling hands I went to the post office and I posted that that it's a mum back in England and I'm in Australia and that's one of the hardest things I've ever done was posting that letter. And eventually I got a letter back from mum saying, oh, Bobby, Bobby, you must think I'm the worst mother in the whole world. But I was only doing my very best. 
I wrote back again, Mum, this is not about blame. This is just telling you my story. Please tell me yours. So eventually she wrote back saying, oh, she was born in Germany, 1924, between the wars. Her dad was an alcoholic. Her mum was a control freak. Her cousins were in the SS or they were shot. And so I realised, the light bulb went off. I realised that, yeah, mum had had a crap childhood too, you know. So by getting her story... I could move from hate through understanding back to love. Yes, mum was doing her very, very best, but all that she could do was dump on me what got dumped on her. And so a few days later, I phoned her from Australia to England, and she was back in hospital with a second instance of bowel cancer. And that was the first time we spoke as mother and son, you know, as two adults. We were both crying our hearts out. And then three days later, she died. And what a beautiful closure. And it was like, at that moment, it was like somebody had lifted an elephant off my shoulders. But hang on, I've still got this little niggle here in my shoulder. What's that? Right, Dad, you bastard. So I got the notepad out and wrote a similar letter to Dad. Like, Dad, Dad, why didn't you uh, take take me fishing? Why didn't you play football with me? <coughs> why didn't you spend any time with me? And... Um, Dad had already died, I didn't know where or when, so I just put it in an envelope and to Dad in heaven and burnt it. <coughs> and that's kind of how I healed the wounds of my childhood. But about five, six years ago, I contacted my mum through a spiritual medium and that lady told me stuff that only mum and I knew, so I knew that this medium was fair income, you know, she was genuine. And Mum was saying, Bobby, 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 thank you so much for writing that letter, for I am now doing the same work with my parents in the beyond. And that blew me away. And so the outcome of me writing that letter was I was able to break the multi-generational cycle of abuse. It stopped. It stopped with me. And I cannot imagine in Western society any child growing up in any family that has had all their developmental needs met because the system is set up um, for children to be abandoned by their parents because their their parents are so busy having to work you know and that that's you know you can't be there for your kids if you every you know every parent is working 12 hours a day or some people have got three jobs anyway but I think what what brings me hope is that more and more people are beginning to realize um, that it's okay to speak out and it's a courageous step but it's the first step and it's an absolutely essential step to start sharing our story because I reckon everybody holds a piece of the puzzle and simply by sharing our stories that's what I'm doing by sharing our stories we help to heal each other so that's you know this is my this is my mission I'm on a mission to eradicate suicide so um, that's what I'm doing and thanks for allowing me on this platform to maybe um, give a little bit of hope to other people because I'm just a simple bloke you know I served my time as a fitter turner but I found the way through and I found the way through by listening to my heart. So thank you, Dr. Nancy. Thank you, Kim. Uh, 
that time somebody else had a go. Anybody want a cup of coffee? <laughs> Bob, let me tell you something, okay? First of all, we want to thank you for joining us all the way from Australia, okay? Thank you so much. What time is it over there? Just curious. Uh, it's 10, 8.32 here. It's 10.32 in the morning. Yeah, beautiful sunny day in the Whitsunday Islands. Oh, wow. Okay, well, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you. And you said a lot. You said a lot of very, very, very powerful. You shared a lot of very powerful information. You know, you talked about the broken trust in the child. And I think that you're right. That is one of the key words that we're talking about on tonight. Um, I think um, it was wonderful, very powerful that you were able to write a letter to your mother. Um, That's something that we're doing in one of the groups that I'm a part of. We're writing letters to the abusers and we're sharing our hearts and talking about how the abuse affected us. And that's a big part of healing. Uh, So even whether, and you shared your father's not around uh, now, but even being able to write this letter to the abuser, even if you never give it to them, something about that is very healing and it helps to release a lot of that, that guilt and that hurt. And you get to say things and write things down, think about things and release things that you would never probably have um, the ability to share and to release. And so the fact that you were able to do that and then in one of the, in one of the stories when, when you wrote the letter to your father, you said you were able to burn that letter. You know, those are all parts of, um, of healing and recovery. So you just um, you summed it up very powerfully. I want to make sure anybody that wants to comment uh, in regards to what Mr. Bob said, Ms. Kim, uh, my co-host first, um, and then if anybody else would like to make a comment, please do. But this is Kim, and I think, um, yes, no, my Kim, not me, Kim. <laughs> okay, co-host Kim. Uh, <laughs> no, I was going to say I I agree with you. I think um, Bob said some really really good things in there, and um, thank you for sharing that, Mr. Bob. I know that um, you know it's the whole generational thing, right? That that keeps going if we don't make that decision. So somebody, you just pray along the the generational lines of families because there seems to be you know something going on in every family everybody has their things right um that that person there's a person that says no we're going to change the trajectory of this family and make it better so um thank you both both for sharing thank you i want to say one more thing um before everybody else gets on you know, when you take the time, something that Mr. Bob said that was very powerful, when you take the time to hear the story of the abuser, and, and I can say this because I know the story of my abuser. He was sexually abused by his father. So it was a cycle, right? And so he did it to his children, and it just continues and continues. And, you know, not to say, okay, that's a good excuse, da da da, da but when you hear the other, the story of that, person because many times some of these children these these babies who have been abused by an adult they repeat it they repeat the abuse they start to believe that it's normal and they repeat it so when you mr bob were able to write this letter to your mother and hear her story 
you were able to feel for that child. You were able to feel for her, and you were able to understand, not not condone, but understand her from a different perspective. That was so powerful. And to be honest with you, many of us can relate. Um, I'll open up the mics, everybody else, if um, anybody else would like to make a comment to what Mr. Bob shared. That'd be great. I would just like to say um, I'm so glad that I had the courage to face what I faced. Um, And by healing the wounds of my childhood, um, what I would say is if you don't hand it back, you pass it on. So... For me, that work that is great. essential. I'll shut up now, honest. <laughs> no, that was good. Go ahead. If you don't hand it back, you pass it through. Ooh. Okay. Anybody else would like to make a comment about what Mr. Bob shared? Yes. Um, I can relate to him with the part where he said about, you know, his parents worked all the time. Well, my mom did. She was a great provider. We always had a nice home, but she didn't listen. She never listened to me. And that was the hard part. So with raising mine, I learned to keep it open where they could talk to me, where they don't have to didn't have to hide anything. And if mine had a curfew, well, they did have curfews. And if it wasn't, they can be five minutes late. I'm out looking for them. I did everything that she didn't do. I gave my children everything she didn't give me. It's not all about material things. It's the understanding. It's to show them that you love them. Like I said, I had 11. If something went on with one of them and I'm at work, I will go to the office. I give up a job for one of mine. I, I didn't walk off. I went and told them one of mine had meetings to go to on Wednesday, and they gave me an ultimatum, keep my job. I'll go to the meeting. I took the pen off and laid it on the desk. But see how God worked. He didn't let me stay unemployed. Because that happened on a Monday, that Wednesday. I went out looking for a job, and the Board of Education called me that Friday, and I was back working again that Monday. And the shift that they give me, it worked just fine with the meetings he had to go to that he had to go to. And I don't throw up in my child's face what I did and what I let go. He'll bring it up as telling me what he appreciates, what I sacrificed for him, knowing I had a house full of kids, but God didn't let me go without. But I think if my mom... When my house burnt, she had gave me a sofa set. It burned up in the house. I still hear about it today. We lost everything. So in my mind, I'm thinking, I was thinking at the time, so I guess I was supposed to run in there and get your sofa and pull it out. 
worried about material things instead of worrying about saying something about all her, me and her grands got out. She was worrying about a couch set that burned up. So, like I say, yeah, she worked all the time. She provided. I didn't want for anything, no more than attention. And somebody listened to me. And that's free. But when I bring it up to her now, I have brought it up to her, but she didn't listen to me as a child, and she hides behind, I had to work. Many times, I'm going to say something, Miss Kimberly. You know, parents had to work, okay? I went to a stage, mm-hmm. I, I had to work. I'm not going to lie. I went mm-hmm. to a stage, I had to go out of town. I had to go out of state and work because I, I went through a divorce. There was, was a lot of drama. I didn't have no family in Georgia. I had to go back and forth to Boston from Atlanta to work. And at those times when I was gone, anything could have happened to my kids, right? And so yeah. many times the guilt kills you, and you're like, you don't understand. I had to work. And um, I don't want to say you want to hide behind that I had to work, but it's like you have to hide behind that I had to work because at the time you had to work. But. Um, you know, some people have family members, they have beautiful sisters, beautiful cousins, beautiful grandparents who are just there to help balance things and everything. People really have to work. They don't have the choice. Because most people, if you have the choice, you probably won't go to work, you know, if you have the choice not to work. But having to work and being a single parent, for those who are single parents that have to work, um, it makes it very difficult because bills still need to be paid. Things still need to be taken care of. And at the end of the day, you got to take care of your children financially. And, again, I was traveling for for years every two weeks out of state by myself. I was a single parent. I went through a real nasty divorce with my ex-husband, and I had to take care of my son. Um, and I had to travel every two weeks. I did not want to. Now I travel every, every four to six weeks. I do it now. I did not want to have to travel every two weeks. But I had a rent from my office every two weeks due on the 17th, and then I had my regular house rent that I was renting for the month. So every two weeks, literally, I had a rent due. And that type of pressure was so much. And I did not want to have to travel, but I had to because I was a single independent parent. I didn't just grab somebody just to make sure bills were paid. I was I had peace in my home and I had to work hard to keep the peace in my home. And not to make an excuse, but sometimes you have to work and then when you have to work you neglect things. And then when you look back over to neglect, sometimes it could be very embarrassing and very like just disappointing on yourself because these kids are smart. That some I'm not talking about the ones who were abused. I'm talking about some of the kids that are acting up because I do a lot of advocacy with the at-risk youth, some of them take advantage that the parents are gone and they have parties in the home and do all kinds of other things. 
But now when we have people who we trust in the family, many times those people take advantage because they know that a lot of these parents are single parents working. And I'm saying that because some of the kids that were abused, it was by a mentor, an advocate, unfortunately, who knew or a close family member or a close family friend who knew that the parent was a single parent. And those are the kind of people that they go after a lot of times, the ones who, you know, the parent is, uh, has went through a divorce and the, the child has no one. And so those people, the predators I'm talking about, will take advantage a lot of times. And it puts you as a single parent in a bad situation. I know there was a time where my life got cut off. My kids were at school. I was in the dark, and I was so sad. I was crying. I called my mom to help me pay that bill. And another time I called my husband, I had no food in the fridge, and I called him crying. And he said, you're the one that wanted divorce. Like, he really took joy in seeing my my hurt and my pain, and so I had to work even harder. And so not to make an excuse for working parents, but to say sometimes working parents have to work, and then these people who are abusive take advantage of these situations because the predators, they look for those type of vulnerable children and vulnerable situations where the parents are going through a divorce or have or are divorced and our single parents, and they take advantage of these situations. So it's good for us to talk about this and bring light to this. Um, and, again, one of my kids, he was a Boy Scout. And so these are some of the topics that we – and I was a single parent when he was a Boy Scout. And this is these are some of the topics that we do talk about um, when we talk about our children that were abused or ourselves when we went through abuse. If anybody else would like to make a comment, please do. Yeah, all I would say is that I would recommend anybody, and I never give advice because um, unsolicited advice is abuse, and I respect everyone as an equal sovereign, but I would recommend to anybody to... um, Look at John Bradshaw's work on healing the wounds of childhood and uh, healing the shame that binds you. He's got a lot of videos on um, YouTube. Um, Just search for John Bradshaw. And there's also a a great support page on Facebook called Homecoming, which is the title of one of John's books, where there's a whole community there working through uh, the damage that was done during the childhood and um, you know, I, I cannot explain how beneficial that work was I reckon um, John's work saved my life but on the now I'm on the other side of um, depression totally recovered um, and I, I set my life purpose to be to find my own truth So I started questioning everything. And how do I know what is my truth? Whatever resonates with my heart. And so I've I've reclaimed my authentic self. I've reclaimed my belief in me. And now the magic that happens in my life now, you know, anybody, come and and spend a week with me and see what my life's like. Because it is, you know, sometimes I, I feel so blissful, I need a break. You know, even bliss can be tiring. (laughs) <laughs> so thanks and 
that's that's the beauty of this forum and I'm I contribute to many other forums um, but the message is getting out there it's not about blame you know if somebody says oh that 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 person did that to me now for me I'm, I'm you can call me Captain Bob if you like I am a ship's captain but for me I am master and commander of this life that I do create and I take full responsibility for this life that I do create and so if something goes a bit weird you know a bit oh you know didn't like that in my life then I don't point the finger at anybody else I ask myself this question I have created this event in my life what is the lesson I need to learn from this event so the only person I can point the finger at in my life is me and it's up to me to do the work to resolve the issue because how can I put it what I radiate I create so I consciously choose to radiate joy and because I do that and live that that's what comes back to me you know that's not what I throw out gets mirrored by the people I meet anyway <laughs> this is getting a bit deep and meaningful and my coffee's getting cold <laughs> no that was great <laughs> Anybody else? <laughs> that was good. Thank you for sharing, Doc. Really appreciate you. Anybody else? Okay. All right. So, quick question. I don't want to call you out, brother, but you know we love your input as well. Just want to know if you have any questions or if you have any comments. Please share here. Okay. If you don't feel like sharing, that's okay. Just wanted to check in with you. All right. Uh, anybody else? Um, on the part about the support now. With me, the son that I did, well, I have two sons that I did tell, but one of them, you know, he was like, don't let that stop you. He said, you go where you want to go. You do what you want to do. And he was like, Mama, I got your back. Now with him, he, he was one of them that I thought that would look at me different told him he got angry. And he was like, because, Mama, I have a daughter. And he like, you know, and I know what I would do if something like that happened to my child. So I told him, just keep an open relationship with me and with, with them where they'll tell you everything. So he was like, you don't have to be scared. You're going to be okay. I got where I go out. I don't go out, but me and some friends, we get together and go out and eat. That's as far as it goes. And I come back home. Because ever since I ran into him, so I'm just being careful. That's interesting. I mean, I want to ask um, 
anyone who shared with their children or someone who they saw as um, as, as one of their children, even if you've been birth child, where did you get the courage or what made you say, you know what, I'm ready to go to the step of seeking that support for my family and being honest and transparent with my children? Where did that strength come from and how did you do it? For those of us who are listening, or not me because I've told my children, but for those of the people who are listening and would like to share with their children, and I'll share as well. Anybody's okay um, to share? Well, with me, I wanted to bring it to the open. I wanted them to know the reason why sometimes I got in the moves I got in. I wanted them to know the reason, one of the real reasons why I was going to counseling. And I didn't want to hide, I didn't want to lie to them, to the ones that I told. And, um, you know, they was telling me they was glad that I was getting help. I didn't let it get me to the point where somebody had to make me get help. And so now with all the kids, they just thinking the stuff that I went through raising them is what got me going. They don't know about the other part. But with all of it combined up together, yes, I go to counseling and I have a psychiatrist. Um, I go into depression still. I just had anxiety attack last week. I was up 24 hours straight. And then I, when the sleep hit me, it hit me. I was taking my medication. It did not knock me out. I take Lamictal, Xanax, and some some Botol. And with all three of those medications, that my anxiety was so high, I couldn't even sleep. So it, yes, it still bothers me, and it bothers me more now because I know he's back in town. But to tell them that's the reason why I feel good by the ones that I have told. And it's, it's, as I tell them, it's relieving the pressure off of me. And then I feel like once all of them know, I'll be able to take that deep breath. But I wanted them to know the reason why their mom is in the mental state she's in at times that it has nothing to do with them. Even the stuff I went through raising them, they didn't ask to be here. I was never, I let them know I was never upset with them. It was what their father took me through. I never took it out on them. But when they used to see me mad, I used to have one to come to me, well, Mama, did we do something? No. I never took it out on them. But I just feel like now it's the time in my life to to open up to them. And as I doing it, like I say, with certain ones, I feel better. And so once all of them know my story completely, then I feel like they'll know their mom. 
I'd like to certain stuff I don't certain stuff I don't went through it's a part of me that they don't know so I'm telling them because I want them to really know their mom yeah that was beautiful Um, I'd just like to address the the topic of anxiety Mm -hmm. Um, for me I used to have frequent panic attacks the first one was November 1984 and and bouts of anxiety you know I could be walking along the beach it's a beautiful sunny day the lorikeets are going by the stick in the palm trees um, and all of a sudden there's on the back of my neck would stand up and it felt like there was somebody behind me with a knife about to stab me that's the anxious buzzing feeling but um, the benefit of doing the inner child work um, made me realize that as a child that's how I lived I lived for those first seven to ten years in fight or flight mode so being anxious was my normal that was that's what felt like home for me mm-hmm. and so once once I realized that uh, and here the wounds of my childhood um, you know, I haven't had a, a panic attack or an anxiety attack um, for 15 years. You know, I'm right out the other side. Um, but there's another side to that buzzy feeling of anxiety, and it's actually a good one. And as a folk singer, or this is my 59th year as a paid stage performer, um, I used to go into the green room to get ready out to go on stage. And I get these horrible butterflies in the tummy, you know, that stage fright thing. And just feeling sick and, oh, I don't want to go out there, you know. But I realized very early on that what was happening was this buzzing, this anxiety was actually my body raising its frequency so that I could go out on stage and deliver the magic, that, the music that was going to come through me. And that energy that I was radiating, that's what the audience picked up on before I'd even sung a note. So that's the the good anxiety. But um, those anxiety things that stem from my childhood, that was really bad. And it was it was the pain of my childhood that actually, the pain of my depression, sorry, that really gave me the driving force and the energy to, to find out what was going on. And I couldn't do it by going through my mind I tried for 20 years to think my way through um, but I couldn't because I I finally realized that my depression resulting from my uh, childhood um, abuse was was more like a wound of the soul it was like all the wounds that I had didn't go into my subconscious is is the, the current sort of understanding for me, they became what I call body memories. So all those wounds were trapped as feelings in my body. And probably 15 years ago when I threw my medications overboard, um, uh, I just let my body do what it needed to do to re- release all the trapped emotional energy that I was still carrying from my childhood. And so I cried and cried, cried and cried, shouted, screamed, vomit, whatever, you know, I just 
let go of control and let my body do what it needed to do to release all the crap that I've been carrying. And and the example I give is look at a little baby, you know, and when you take it to the doctor, they go for a blood sample and a prick his thumb. The baby will scream and scream and scream and scream and scream as if you know, it's being tortured. But what it's doing is getting in touch with the feelings and it's healing itself from the pain through feeling. And as soon as it's done the healing, you know, it stops screaming and starts giggling and googling again. So for me, it's, it's like get out the mind, get in your heart, Feel the feelings, because I found that the feelings I swallow today may one day come back and choke me. So I express my feelings in the moment in an appropriate way. This has been an amazing conversation, so thanks for letting me share, and thanks for showing up. Hey. Thank you so much. That was that was great. You know, all of us have been able to add a very powerful nugget tonight. I think that all of what we've been able to share tonight has been helpful to someone. And that's the importance of being able to come together and share and creating a safe space. Many people are walking in their recovery. They're ready to walk in their recovery. They're in pain. They feel alone. And for them to be able to hear from us and be able to hear some of the tools and some of the things that we've done along our journey is definitely powerful. I want to be able to um, open up the mic. If anybody has a comment or has a question, please share. Well, I think that the way I look at it is, I go back to the SUE principle, S-U-E. This is something I coined about 12 years ago. We're all sovereign, unique, and equal. And from that standpoint, I believe that everybody holds a piece of the puzzle. And by simply sharing our stories, we help to heal each other. And it is that simple. It's only the mind that complicates things. So... <laughs> Get out the mind and get into your heart, because heart space is mm-hmm. where I live. That was good. Get out of the mind and get into the heart. And many of us sharing our stories, we don't realize the powerful impact, impact that we're making in the lives of others. We're able to save lives. You know, many times when you feel alone and you're going through something so, so deep and so severe, people feel alone. Um, I want to come back to Miss Kimberly, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I just want to again, just want to just say that you're so brave. It takes so much. People don't realize the level of strength that it takes to get to the the point where you're able to open your mouth and share such details. Uh, it's not easy, okay? And we just want yeah. you to know that you're supported, yeah. you're heard, and we believe you, and we're here for you. Um, if there's anything else you'd like to share in regards to your recovery, in regards to um, the support that you've gotten from your family, and, and I know that um, something happened to one of the abusers. I don't know if you want to share that now. 
um, you know, I just want to make sure that you get to share whatever it is that you feel comfortable sharing tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, well, the uncle, he died. I know it's not funny, <laughs> but he, <laughs> he was just a dirty person because he used to beat my aunt. So, yeah, he died. Huh. Yeah, that was the right so place for him. Mm-hmm. No, so when did he die? Um, 2002. Did you ever get a chance to address him or to confront him? Or did he reach out or did you reach out or anything before he passed away? No. Um, he ended up at my grandma's funeral. And afterwards, we was at my grandma's house, and he was sitting out there on the porch, and I walked out, and I just looked at him, and he looked at me. And he just don't realize what was going through my head, but that, I just kept walking. I just kept walking. It was like he kind of dropped his head a little bit, but. He wasn't no good because he used to tell my aunt, and she was a good one. He used to tell my aunt about her friend that he wanted to spend time with her friend, and she would sit there and take that, listen to that. He was evil. Did he have um, children with your aunt? Did he have any other children? He had boys. They had three boys together. Did you ever hear about him abusing anyone else or trying to cross the line with anyone else, or did anybody else come forward that you know of? Boy, he was the type. Now, with them, he had drawn guns on them and their mom, but they was little. I don't know. They might have been in the early teens, and... um because I believe one of my cousins, he just done blocked everything out because we had a conversation one day because he was just putting his daddy up on a pedestal and I had to stop him because it was just making me sick. I didn't tell him about what he did to me, but I was like, you know your mom walking around. I said, you know she um, got that blood clot that she's been battling for years in her legs where they come back and forth. He tells me it comes from her job. Well, you know, Mom is an LPN and she do a lot of walking. No, sir. That comes from your daddy came in one night with some steel-toed boots and kicked her in her shin. And I asked him, I said, you don't remember none of this stuff? And it, he, he really don't. I said, you don't remember when your dad drove the gun on y'all and your mom? My daddy did. He got a lot of stuff blocked out from his childhood. So they was abused as far as, as they say, watching their mom get beat. And then if they run and take her side, if they if they were right there with, with her, when he pointed that gun, it was at all of them. She could have lost her license in behind that. But she stuck with that man. I wouldn't have. So that's the kind of abuse he was to them. He beat them, draw guns on them. 
So do you think um, from your family history that that was a cycle from the women where they took abuse or turned a blind eye, like culturally back in the day? And I'm asking that because me growing up, that's a lot of what I saw. The women, you know, the man was the breadwinner. You, What happens in this house stays in this house. And so it was a cycle early on where, uh, excuse me, women couldn't talk about those things. They couldn't tell. It, it wasn't my like how now we're having. Mm-hmm. Okay. My grandmother, I watched her defend herself. I never watched my grandmother take a lick. Now, she would throw one. But, um,. That was only if he came, if granddaddy came at her. And I've seen that once. And she mm-hmm. showed me as being a woman, you could stand up for yourself. And she showed me that up against that man. That little bow legged mm-hmm. lady didn't fall now time. Mm-hmm. And when he swung that one time, she blocked it and it was it. <laughs> <laughs> so she taught me back then, you know, even though. The abuse hadn't happened, but she showed me then that a woman can stand up for herself. That's good. And so, you know, my mom them always tell me, you got that mentality of your grandma, Uh uh-huh. I should have been had it. Right. But, um, But, like I say, that's. That's what I noticed between, like I say, from my grandma. I, I know when it came to to that relationship because my mom died, dad died in the war. But I know with that one, no, it was no abuse going on. Even my mom and dad separated. My dad was not no abusive man. He just wouldn't sit still. So as hmm. he traveled trying to follow his dream. And then when we come to Georgia, he was still from Cincinnati going from Cincinnati to New York trying to get his boxing career going. But he was, mom, you know, my mama tell me, she said daddy was not abusive. So, no, I wasn't raised up around that. I, I started hearing that when it came to my aunt. And then I take that back. It was one, some girls I used to be with and... They mama boyfriend used to come in and as the kids say now, Molly Walk, ooh Jesus. That man used to beat that woman. So I seen it far as when I was around with friends, but far as my family household, when it came to my mom and my grandmama and they saying grandma and granddaddy, I seen that once. And really, it wasn't nothing to see because it happened so quick, and it never happened again. Uh huh. So you saw Grandma's a strong woman. Yes. Yes. And she set the bar for you. Do you feel? Yes. Yes. Because with raising my kids, it's a lot of stuff I picked up from her. Because a lot of times, my mom was mad at me. I moved out at the age of twenty-one. I went home twice. Within doing, I think, Dylan was still in like head start. So 
I couldn't deal with a lot of stuff that she was saying. You know, I had kids. I was calling out my name for sluts and whores and bitches. And um, so at the age of 21, I moved out with four kids. No job. By faith. But we made it. I I went home twice. One time I was there for a day. Another time I was there for two weeks. And when she reminded me of what she told me them years ago, that that was her house, and I do what she say, oh, I left. Took my kids with me. We moved in a trailer that had a hole in the floor in the bathroom. But I refused it to be drugged anymore. Because it was a lot of anger there from her towards me. But now, she is grown. They're all doing well. I got school teachers. I got a social worker. I have an NFL player. I got one that mm-hmm. works for IBM. I have my oldest son. He just opened up his own funeral home, and he flipped houses. He got a carpet company. He cleaned carpet, and he sell license. He sell insurance. I have a barber. Yeah, I got one going to school for culinary arts. And I got one um, going to school for real estate. But I did all this as a single parent. That's them being abused. So I didn't let my abuse stop me from raising my kids. Right. I didn't get on drugs. I didn't turn to alcohol. I sit wine here and there, but... Yeah. Because I was raised up in the church, and I've always talked to God. I didn't know what I was doing, but I did. So for what mm-hmm. I see, he listened. He carried me. Because I had no one else to. He sure did. Yeah. That's, that's powerful. And... <clears throat> the fact that you went through all that and you were still able to overcome and raise strong children and push through, even though it wasn't easy. It's so, it's so encouraging for other parents going mm-hmm. through it now. So thank you again for sharing Ms. Kimberly. I think you are a phenomenal, inspirational woman. And, um, and you are just an overcomer and your strength is just, is giving strength to others. And so we just want to thank you for sharing tonight. I want to, um, and, and again, congratulations on all of what your children are doing. Because it's not, it's not easy. Many times, you're welcome, many times when we go through this level of abuse, <clears throat> it has an impact on our families. So I don't want anyone who um, their families are still fighting to overcome, to feel guilty or anything like that. But this is just a reminder that you don't have to stay stuck in that place and in that cycle and that you can overcome. Keep being positive, keep pushing through, and keep believing in the fact that you are more than enough and that change is possible. And so that's the purpose of tonight, uh, Ms. Kimberly and uh, Mr. Bob and 
Miss Kim and myself and, Ms., and you know, even Mr. Phillip, everyone being here and supporting each other. It's to give each other power that we can overcome. I want to just open up the mic. We're almost getting closer to that ending time, but I want to make sure if um, our, our wonderful co-host, Miss Kim, has a comment or a question, and after she's done, if anyone else has a comment, that'd be great. The mics are open. Thank you, Dr. Nancy. Um, no, I mean, I just, I can just relate so much of it, so much of your story. And I know that I tried my hardest to make sure that, you know, my kids were happy and healthy. And I didn't always know what to do, but I knew kind of what not to do. And, um, and so, you know, I, I'm very proud of my kids as well and that they grew up without having to be touched by that abuse, that generational abuse didn't carry on, it stopped. And, um, and so, yeah, just, it, you know, I admire you for, for raising your kids and, and making sure that they do right from wrong because that's a lot of work, and you had a lot of children, so <laughs> I, yes. you I only had three. <laughs> I just got three of them. So, um, yeah, you're amazing. You're amazing. Thank you for sharing. Well, I'm going to put number 12 in there because I adopted a child. Oh, did you? I had, oh. Yes, it was, it was my twins. It was their best friend. And he was going through a lot with his family. His grandmother had passed. His mom had had a nervous breakdown and really wasn't in the right middle state. So I took custody of So he called me mom. So I said, I have 10 boys and two girls. Wow. <laughs> wow. Lots of, lots of men to watch out for your daughters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then I have 24 so. grand. I have 24 grandchildren, and out of those 24, I only have six granddaughters. Oh, wow. So, yeah, your boys are prominent. <laughs> <laughs> ours, ours were girls when I was raising my girls, my kids. Both We had more girls okay. in the family, but now we're at more boys, too. And You must have started really young. Fifteen. Like our family yes, did. Age yeah. Fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I just enjoy those grandbabies. I know they're the greatest, you know, the greatest gifts. And yes, they are. Again, for coming on. Come on any time. We'd love to have you. Okay. Thank you. I would just like to say um, thank you for everybody for showing up today and having the courage to share your story. And I'll just leave you with this question because I'm, I'm world famous for asking awkward questions. But um, here goes anyway. And the question is, if you are not creating your life, who is? So just ponder on that one for a while. And um, I'll see you next time um, with some fresh coffee. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much uh, for your support. And 
you know, uh, your information is the wealth to our community. And thank you so much for all that you do in the area of advocacy for survivors as well. If anyone else uh, would like to say anything else tonight, that'd be great. I don't know. I know we have... um, no, we have Philip on there. Mr. Philip, you want to say anything tonight? No, 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 thank you. Okay. No, thank you tonight. We always hear from you, so, you know, we appreciate you always joining us and always being supportive. Um, again, <clears throat> I just, I'm just honored to be here with all of you guys tonight. I think you know, it takes a lot of it takes a lot of courage to come forward and share your story and be able to talk about your recovery journey. So, I want to just especially thank Miss um, Kimberly tonight for just for being brave and for being supportive and for being a, an empowerment to our community and just just want to applaud you for your strength in this recovery journey. And it, I know it's not easy. It definitely is not. But, um, you know, every step you take towards your recovery, you're helping others recover as well. And um, and just thank you for your transparency and for sharing with us tonight. Thank you. All right, so does anyone else want to leave us with anything, any comments, any quotes, any scriptures, any poems, any words before we close off? No? Okay. Well, we just want to thank you all for joining us tonight. Tonight has truly been just a reminder of how important it is for us to support each other. This recovery journey, um, I know this is Mental Health Awareness Month, but to be honest with you, this is not something that could only be supported in one month. It's something that needs to be supported every year through the year. There, yeah. We've lost so many people to suicide. We've lost so many people to depression. And, you know, that the silence is, can be very, very deafening, and it could really, really be a silent killer. And so the moment that we choose to recover and to be a voice for the voice, voiceless and the moment that we choose to, to stand in our own truth and our strength, we become stronger, and our strength helps to empower others. And so I just want to encourage all of us to continue healing, continue in our recovery journey, and continue to stand in our truth. Uh, and wherever you are in your journey, you know, your recovery doesn't mean that you have to recover out loud. Some people, some people choose to recover out loud, but that's not everybody's journey, and and I don't want anyone to feel guilty if that's not where you are, but just know that everything you do to get yourself healthier, it's, it's a power move, and we appreciate you, and we love you, and we encourage you, and we support you wherever you are in your recovery, 
even you showing up tonight, even if you didn't speak and you sat on the panel, the fact that you were able to be here for yourself and to be here for us, we appreciate you. We love you and we support you as well in whatever your truth is. Um, and we believe you. One of the worst things that people can do when someone's telling their truth is not believe them or uh, tell them that they don't believe them. That's very difficult. A lot of people shut down once that happens. Excuse me. So I just want to um, encourage people to come forward um, in whatever steps they are in their recovery, whether you're just focused on yourself, healing and recovery and uh, getting your strength back, whether you're focused on self-love and working out and working on your own, strengthening yourself and all of that, wherever you are in your recovery, we just want to encourage you to keep doing that, what you're doing, and keep walking in your health and all those things. I don't want to ramble, but I'm just I'm just honored to be here with you guys because, again, I understand what it takes. I understand the level of courage that it takes to stand on such a large platform. Um, and thank God for our sisters and brothers here at NASCA, for your support, for your ability to sit here and to stand with us, hold our hands through the recovery journey, we just want to say thank you from all of us here at NASA. Uh, we have a couple of minutes. We have like three, four minutes. If anybody would like to make a couple of comments, I want to make sure that we open up the mic. Okay. So, in that note, again, we just want to say thank you from NASA and thank you to all the survivors for your strength. We love you, we support you, we believe you, we acknowledge you. And to all, a blessed night. You all have a good night. Okay, you too. Thank you. Good night. You are. Bye. I'm